0: Hey, this is Chris Horn, um, a proud part of the Redeemer family. And I work with college students at Wake Forest uh, through the ministry of RUF. Um, and I'm really excited to continue exploring scripture with you, um, either in preparation for your real life group or just on your own. And what we're doing is we're looking at scripture and exploring how it is an encounter with god and that scripture is not some inert substance it's not like a natural resource that we can sort of mine and then when we act upon it then it comes alive but that actually scripture is active that god is active through his word and he's the one who um, brings us into an encounter with him, that we are not the ones that make scripture happen or bring something to it, but we are always the recipients of God's action to us and in us in scripture. And today what I want to explore as we continue to explore scripture being an encounter with God is to look at how scripture is a story, and it's a story of God um, and his work in the world, but it's also a story that invites us in with our story. And I think that if we take Scripture seriously, um, we can't really begin to have um, a deep, meaningful experience of God in Scripture if we don't come to it in our own story, sort of understanding our story and seeing how God is redeeming our story and inviting us into His gracious uh, work, um, it's uh, as I'm recording this. It's getting close to Halloween time, and I don't go on uh, haunted house rides because I'm always afraid that the ride will get stuck in some way. Um, because what happens when the ride gets stuck is you go from experiencing us like something as an observer to being part of the thing that you're observing. And I'm, not, I'm just not interested in that. It's too jarring. And what God invites us to in scripture, and I think what we see from the passage that we're going to look at, is that he invites us from being in a place of observation of his story to becoming a participant in it. Um, and so as we see this collection in the, the scripture of story after story of telling how God has acted in history, we are invited in our own stories as well to join that. Uh, there was a There's a, a pastor and theologian named Leslie Newbegin, and he writes about what a Hindu friend told him about the Bible once. He says, "I can't understand why you missionaries present the Bible to us in India as a book of religion. It is not a book of religion. And anyway, we have plenty of books of religion in India. We don't need any more." I find in your Bible a unique interpretation of universal history, the history of the whole of creation and the history of the human race, and therefore a unique interpretation of the human person as a responsible actor in history. That is unique. There is nothing else in the whole religious literature to put alongside it. And I think that we see that um, in this passage. We're going to look at. Um, in the book of Exodus, which is the second book of the Bible. It's the story that's all about God saving his people from Egypt and about this person, Moses. And uh, this is what um, is written here in the book of Exodus chapter 3. And uh, let's see what it says here. Now, Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, Here I am. (laughs) Then God said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Because after all, God is there. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. He's legit encountering God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of e- Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, um, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children out of, of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, but I will be with you. And this will be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said, he's, I mean, you can imagine struggling with this. <laughs> then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Because any good and respectable God has a name. Of course, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel I am has sent me to you. Lord, would you bless the reading and hearing uh, of your word? Um, I don't know if you've ever done this um, exercise. This would be great to do with your groups. But um, each person in the group, you set a timer for one minute. And everyone in the group gets one minute to tell their story. And it's really hard to do that. Uh, It's hard to sort of condense like your life story and what's most important and all that into one minute. But after the one minute, you, you hit the timer and when it goes off, they have to stop. And then for four minutes, the person shares short statements beginning with what I didn't tell you was, what I didn't tell you was, what I didn't tell you was. And what happens is in that four that four minutes is hard to do. Um, but the things that are actually some of the most tender and important, or painful, or glorious parts of our story—the real good stuff—comes out in the four minutes of what I didn't tell you was. Now, if you had asked Moses to do this, he probably would have started his one-minute story with. Uh, Exodus, when God spoke to him in Exodus chapter three, which Jesus read. But if he had to do the four minutes of what I didn't tell you was, um, he would have done Exodus chapter two. And what she would have said, uh, what I didn't tell you was, is that I was born in this oppressed people. And what I didn't tell you was they were killing all the baby boys because they were basically committing genocide. And what I didn't tell you was I was born and my mom was really smart. And so she hid me. And what I didn't tell you was I got to be too big to be hidden anymore. So she made a little basket of reeds and put me in the water. And then what I didn't tell you was is that um, Pharaoh's daughter, the king of Egypt, actually found me and invited my mom to come and nurse me. So then what I didn't tell you was is I grew up in Pharaoh's house. What I didn't tell you was I never felt actually like an Egyptian and I never actually felt like a Hebrew What I didn't tell you was is that when I got older, I saw an Egyptian soldier beating uh, a Hebrew. And so I killed him and I buried him in the sand. And what I didn't tell you was is the next day I came and I saw two Hebrews fighting together and I said, why are you fighting together? And they said, what are you going to do? Are you going to kill me like you killed that Egyptian? What I didn't tell you was, I was full of shame. I was rejected by my people. I had nowhere to be. Pharaoh was going to kill me. I was too Egyptian to be Hebrew and too Hebrew to be Egyptian. And so I fled and I'm now put that way behind me. And here I am. And after all that, Moses is not looking for God. He's tried to put that entire part of his life behind him. And when God talks to him out of the bush, He basically says, I've I've heard my people, and I'm going to rescue them, and I'm going to send you to be my rescuer. You're going to do it. And the reason why is everything in Exodus 2, all that four minutes of what I didn't tell you was, you're the one who isn't Egyptian enough or Hebrew enough. You're going to lead the Hebrews into the Pharaoh's palace, and you're going to lead them out. You're the only one who can live in both of those worlds. The one who was rejected as a rescuer by your people. Those two men that were fighting, if an Egyptian soldier had come along, they would have said, yes, sir. But since you came along, God's actual anointed one, they rejected you. The one who was rejected, you're going to be the rescuer. What God's saying is he is going to use Moses precisely because of his story. To invite him into this bigger story of what he is doing. That's why he's going to, that's why Exodus 2 is in the Bible. Exodus could have been Exodus chapter 1 and Exodus chapter 3 and left all this backstory about Moses out. But I think God includes it exactly for that reason. And you can understand why Moses says, well, like, who am I? And God's like, exactly. I will be with you. You in some ways are the most qualified and the weakest, the least qualified but I will be with you. I'm going to show what I can do precisely through you. I mean, if you think about hearing that, if you're Moses who had been with Moses, his parents, no, his people, no, who were even were his people, Pharaoh. He had no home. He had no family. He had no place on earth, just like God's people. It was his story that prepared him, not just for the God wanted him to do, but it's his story that prepared him to encounter God at all. It's exactly when Moses is least prepared to encounter God, when he's simply randomly on the side of some mountain, that God speaks to him out of a bush. It's God who's been orchestrating his story all along. Now it is exactly Moses' glories and gifts and experiences and his failings and shame that God is going to redeem. He says, I will be with you. And I think something to, to continue to meditate on as we think about our own story is that when Moses asks God, who, sh- who should I tell them sent me? And he says, I am who I am. That's in some ways the closest God can get to expressing a name. He's saying, I'm, I'm the one that created reality. God is the is the the is the hero in the story of scripture and the story of human history he's the center if you meditate on these stories of scripture that's what you're going to find again and again that no matter what is happening he is he speaks we listen when he moves we respond yeah you know, there's a, there's a sense that we have all these things that we believe about God and we're, we want to be so right and we feel shame when we feel like we're, at, like we're not managing our encounter with God or we're not thinking the right things. And if we just kind of get all of our ideas straight in our mind or we come to Scripture consistently enough and we do it the right way and we have the right feelings that somehow it's all going to work out and God is simply standing calling us to encounter him. He's saying, do do you want all that certainty or do you want me to show up in a place that you can't manage and for you to actually encounter God? Um, Part of what God shows us in this, um, I hope that you get the chance to share your stories. um, That's part of what you're going to be doing in your real life group. Um, is doing the one-minute and four-minute exercise. But as we begin to share our story and as we encounter God in the Scripture, we find that God, um, the story that God is writing in Scripture, the story that he reveals to us, is the story of God coming to make everything right. It's a story that we all want to come true because we are all asking, can this world be redeemed and made right? Can my story be redeemed? Um, Kendrick Lamar, he has a great song called mama, but you know, he just basically says, I've been looking for you my whole life for the feeling I can barely describe where you reside. Is it in a a woman? Is it in money or mankind? Tell me something. Think I'm losing my mind. We've been looking for Jesus our whole life. Um, and the more that we explore our story and find the through lines of it to God's story, when we ask the question, can my story be redeemed? The answer is yes. Um, you know, to, to, we talked about the ocean there in our last episode, but you know, something that's beautiful, I think when uh, when you go to the beach and you get that first time you walk out on on the beach and you stand near the ocean, it's always startling and it's always like this almost like a deep exhale that happens at least for me and what's amazing to me every time I go to the beach is that this ocean has been crashing on these this beach for a long time longer than before we were here and so when we enter into the ocean we enter this ancient story and we have our moment in it and then it passes and But the story of that ocean, that ancient, powerful, mysterious story continues. And when we bring ourselves into it, we become part of something much bigger and more powerful than ourselves. And you can fight against it and it will destroy you. Or you can ride the waves. And God invites us to encounter him in the story of scripture, to bring our story to bear, uh, and to come on in the water is fine.